Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We're so glad that you joined us today once again. I know we keep saying that throughout the entire video experience, but it's because we really mean it. We're really, truly glad that you're here with us today. And we hope that you're staying healthy, that you're staying strong, uh, that your heart and mind are set on things above, and that you are reaching for the things of God right now in your life. Because believe it or not, God has great things in store for you even today as you listen with us and participate in the message. Father, I just pray this morning that you would open our, our spiritual eyes to what it is you're saying in your word. And as we go through these passages and as we talk through this topic today, God, we want Jesus for you to be glorified first and foremost. But Lord, also we'd ask that our hearts would be changed and that we'd be made just a little bit more like you today. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week we were talking about discipleship in our new series. It's complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And today we're tackling one of those topics that often people just like to shut off because they immediately think we're going to talk about money. And yes, money is a part of this, uh, this topic today, but really there are some other things that you need to remember are a part of this word, stewardship. Go ahead and say it with me right where you are. Stewardship is a very important reality in our relationship with everything that's around us because it is to do with our purpose that God created us for. Stewardship. Now, I just want you to know that stewardship, first of all, is not a boat. Although a ship can have a steward or a boat can have a steward. I know it's a little bit kind of dad humor for me to go there and do that, but everyone has to pay a price in this lockdown. And so if dad humor is one of those things, it's okay. Your dad is allowed to make dad jokes. Uh, But really, what is stewardship? What is this thing, stewardship? And if we go to our good friends at Merriam-Webster, we'll discover something like this, depending on the version that you might look up. But it is the conducting, the supervising, or managing of something, especially, now listen to this part, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Now, you're not going to find the word stewardship in your Bible 500 times. In fact, you may not find the word stewardship in your Bible even one time, depending on the translation you might be reading. You might find the word steward here or there, but again, depending on the translation, you may not, you may not be able to read it. But the principle and the image of stewardship is, is practically laced all through Scripture. Right from the very beginning to the very end, in nearly every book of the Bible, we will see stewardship demonstrated. In, I'm going to change that. In every single book of the Bible, we will see stewardship depicted in one form or another because this is our role and our identity as God's creation. We were made to steward the things that he has put in this world around us. And it's very important to remember this. And I'd like to invite you to set aside your political viewpoints as we begin to talk about this today. We're not talking about environmentalism. We're not talking about policies on energy when it comes to stewardship. We're not even talking specifically about about how you should give. We trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about these issues individually and that you will be informed by Scripture and by our friend the Holy Spirit when it comes to deciding on how you align your values with the Word of God first and then reconcile them to the world. But I think we will have some common ground if we at least start at this kind of complicated issue of stewardship. Thank God it doesn't have to be as complicated as we always make it. Starting in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, just as an example, it says this, Genesis 1:28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. 
and fill the earth and subdue it and subdue it, he said, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, he goes on then to say in Genesis 2.15, and, and this is God's depiction of what man is here for. It says, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. For me, the reality of our relationship with everything we can see is summed up in this. It's summed up in this picture that God begins to create that, yes, he created man in his image, but he created man in his image with a purpose placing him in the earth. Now, Psalm 24.1 says this to us very specifically, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the whole world and all who live in it. Anything you look at from the biblical worldview belongs to God. Why? Well, because he's the one who made it. It goes on to say that in Psalm 24, verse 2, actually, that, that it's because he made it that he is the owner, that he, he, he is the one who it belongs to in every circumstance, in every form that it exists. He establishes it. He sustains it. As we've talked about in the past weeks, he sustains all things by the power of his word. All things hold together in Christ. When the Bible says all things, it doesn't just mean some things. He literally means all things are held together. All things, the Bible says, were created by him, through him, and for him. So he is the author of it all, and it all belongs to him. Now, if this is true, then we must acknowledge that anything that we might possess in this world is not actually ours. And it can be hard for us, but allow me to point something out to you. Anything that you have can cease to be yours in a moment. Now, I know that unsettles some people, but it's just simply true, and let's not complicate it farther than that. Um, someone can come and take it from you. Let's say you have a $20 bill. You might own that $20 bill in your mind. It's your possession. But really, someone can come and take it from you, and the first person who's not going to take it is probably not a thief. It's probably your children and or your wife, just to be clear. I might be in trouble for saying that later, but... I'm willing to risk it. You see, we possess many things, but the actual ownership of things is an interesting concept. Now stick with me before you think that I'm becoming an entirely, uh, entire, my, my entire value system is becoming socialist in nature or anything like that. Again, leave the politics aside and just come with me in this conversation. We can be in possession of something our entire life, but since there is no taking it with us when we die, it will become, it'll become the possession or it'll go into the care of someone else after we're gone. You see, the things that we possess in this world, and we might use the term the things we own, are only as sure to us as our next breath could be. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Do you own your breath? Now, you've already breathed that one and let it go, so the next question that's maybe more important is, do you own your next breath? And while we might assume that we're going to get that next breath, here's another stark reality for us. You might not. Something could happen. Natural disasters happen. Uh, accidents happen. Tragedies happen all the time. Viruses happen, as we're seeing right now. You see, we are not necessarily assured our next breath, but it's literally our next breath that determines how long we're going to hold on to certain possessions. Now, I'm not trying to totally dispel the idea of owning something and um, for, for instance I own land 
my wife, my family and I, we own land, we own some cows, we, we own a farm, and we enjoy all of those things. Um, and I have, by the way, a lot more land than the average person, but I also have a lot less land than many people too. I call it mine, but I will one day be gone, and hopefully my kids, it will become their possession, or someone else will possess or occupy that piece of ground. It will no longer be mine because I simply do not possess it. And it's true with anything. You know, I can possess this shirt, but at some point in time, one day, it's not going to be my possession anymore. It may go to someone else, or it may even become someone else. And at the end of it all, it's going to be put on the ground or in a dumpster or in a landfill somewhere, and it's going to turn back into its very base components. See, we can still believe in ownership, but the reality is stewardship. Now, let me just say that again, because I want it to be clear. We can still believe in, I do not wish to undermine ownership, but I think it's important for us to realize in the worldview that we need to have as followers of Christ, that the reality must become about stewardship. The common thread in these two things ultimately will be responsibility. So again, I don't want to rewrite the law of the land, and I don't want to philosophically undermine the concept of ownership. I'm just trying to add the reality of stewardship when we're done with it, or it's done with us, or, or whatever will happen for whatever purposes, things we possess pass on to someone else. Biblical stewardship is a little bit different now, so let me introduce you to this thought. Stewardship as a disciple of Jesus, and it's important to confine it to this topic. Stewardship, as a person who follows Jesus, is about our responsibility, or our obligation maybe, to intelligently and faithfully manage the life, the spiritual gifts, the time, the things, those possessions that we've been talking about, and the finances God has given to us for a purpose. And the purpose is the advancement of his goodwill in the earth. Most importantly, his work in creation, redemption, and ultimately sanctification through Jesus. You see, everything that comes into my life is in the purpose or in the identity of me being a steward of what God has given. And therefore, all things that come in and through my possession need to be directed into the things that will honor, glorify God, build his kingdom, will spread the gospel to other people. And this is an interesting way to live life because it gives purpose to every fiber of life if you can just come along with us. We probably forget that there's even a few more things involved with stewardship uh, than, than money and even some of the others that I've listed. Let me ask you this question. What would happen today if I add the word suffering to that list of things that need to be stewarded? You need to steward suffering. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. But shouldn't we be stewards of suffering? Shouldn't we or aren't we stewards of things that are difficult for us? Aren't we stewards of stress and things that pull us in other directions? You see, and maybe this will help me to make the point, we're all really happy and well to have the good stuff in life, the good things of God. We're happy to have finances and wealth come into our life. We might even be happy to have certain bills come into our life because those bills allow us to have things like, I don't know, electricity, so you can watch YouTube and you can watch Generations Church now on your TV. But what about this issue of suffering where it becomes bad? 
I think suffering is the one thing that we're all glad we don't have to own. (laughs) None of us want to own suffering. None of us want to own wrong. But responsible reaction to suffering can produce some amazing things in our lives. In James chapter 1, consider this. It says that pure joy causes the, or consider that we should consider trial and suffering pure joy. Why? Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance, and perseverance will bring maturity into our life. But only if we steward suffering the right way. If we allow suffering to come into our life and immediately reject it and ignore it and don't allow it to change anything in us, We will not benefit from the discomfort that suffering can bring. How about in 2 Corinthians 4.17 where it reminds us that this, this, it calls it the momentary and light affliction, but then it says that momentary affliction produces a future weight of glory that is far more valuable than the suffering ever was. You see, it's not just about stewarding the good things or the easy things in life. The issue of stewardship for someone who wants to be a follower of Jesus is about stewarding everything that comes into us. By the way, that's how we have the ability in Christ to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's actually an act of stewardship as much as it's an act of obedience or an act of faith or an act of goodwill, whichever way you'd like to look at it. Now, if we were... Working out, just as one more example for you today. If we're working out and we run or we lift weights or we do whatever it is that we do, we experience pain, we experience discomfort. Um, If you experience chest pain and numbness in your arms, you should probably stop and seek uh, immediate medical attention because that's a little more than common strain in your workout. But understand with me that when we're working out, it is uncomfortable. And there is certainly suffering that comes with working out because your muscle fibers are literally tearing and healing to build muscle mass. That's suffering. You just don't think about it because the future weight of glory or the future promise, the thing you're hoping for, is far more valuable than the discomfort you feel in the moment. But nonetheless, you're still a steward of the opportunity. You're a steward of the time. You're a steward of every experience. 1 Peter 4.7 says this. 4.7 through 11, actually. The end of all things is near. And yes, the church has been saying that for some time. Um, it's ironic that we're saying it today with so many theories floating around and so much concern for for some of these things, but it says, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert. So please don't ever just stop at the end of all things is near. That's not the most important part. The most important part is what follows. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, the reality of stewardship is all around us. 
Everywhere you look in your life, there will be an opportunity to steward the thing that is there. Now, sometimes, yes, we have to steward things that are there because of our misgivings or our mistakes or because of the wrongs of others. Certainly, those are our realities. But when we step back and look at everything as a potential gift from God, we have the ability, if we will align ourselves with this principle of stewardship, to overcome many difficult things because we know that we overcome those things not in our own strength because we don't have ownership in them. We are simply stewards of them. So I don't have to overcome something God owns in my own strength, no matter how good it is or, or bad it is in my life. Now, if you could just shift your thinking with me in this matter, and we could all align ourselves with this opportunity that's in front of us to really become stewards of everything God gives us. Whatever comes our way, whatever opportunity or wrong faces us, what could we do as faithful stewards in our Father's world to build His kingdom, to make His name famous in all the nations of this world? What difficulties in our life could become great worship songs that exalt Him? What hardships financially or socially or relationally that you face could become the turning point for someone else? You see, everything comes into focus when we realize that it's not mine, I am simply passing through. And those things are simply passing through my hands. It all belongs to him. And I can make you a promise, my friend, one day God will show that he has ownership of everything and that he has been responsible for it all, all the time. And we will be convinced when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, that he really is as good as he says he is. Stewardship. It's complicated, but it really doesn't have to be. So I think there's a question that we should ask. The reality of stewardship being all around us, I want to ask you, what will you do with what you've been given? Now just stop right there. Don't think any further. Because there is the most important person you should ask about this. You see, the Holy Spirit... Jesus said, is the one who comes to guide us into all truth. And there are so many things and opportunities and finances and relationships, people that come through our life on our own. We don't even know how to begin to pray about these things. We don't know how to begin to respond to these things. But there is a friend who is with us all the time who will guide us into knowing what to do, confirming it in his word and with those who love you and watch over your lives. But it's important that you ask him this question. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? Or maybe there's an issue that's come to your mind as we've been talking today. And your question to him needs to be, Holy Spirit, what should I do with this situation? Because that difficult situation does not have to be owned by you. You can just be a steward of it. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do with what we've heard today? I pray in this moment right now, God, that you would speak to each one of us. How would you have me use all of the gifts, all of the good things, the bad things, the times of pain, the times of victory, for the best outcomes in this world that you love so much? Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. 
If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.